Welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Featuring Aaron Castro in Arizona, Liam Poach in Boston, and Craig Gradelli in New York City. For those of you new to the podcast, each week the guys share news, views, and abuse from Major League Rugby, the United States Professional Rugby Union, along with information on the USA national team. With all that said, let's get on with the show. So we're live. Welcome to Earful of Dirt, Season 3, Episode 5. And, uh, you know, what did you guys do this week? Well, this week, very interesting. I just worked, um, you know, I, I assume like oh. you guys. Good evening, Zia, Adrian. Good evening to you, Zia too. Soda. Uh, yeah. Please sponsor the show. We need a we need a zero calorie beverage partner. Anyone sponsor the show? <laughs> do do you do hat tricks like you know no. like you know magic tricks on the on the street corner in St. <laughs> Louis, Missouri? Sponsor us. Give us money, and we'll totally talk about you. I cannot make this any more clear. Honest, bro. You, you have a little fourth box there, just doing magic tricks in the background. Good evening, Adrian. How's yep. it going? You know, sh- short of your company being named Enron, yeah. <laughs> We're all good. No, hey, as long as the check clears, <laughs> we're good. <laughs> uh, yeah. So, but I guess this weekend we had some rugby. Uh, I think did we? Liam had to, you know, wash some dishes or something on Saturday morning. I don't know. <laughs> That's what he said in an email. He's like, I scheduled work for myself. Oh yeah, dude. No, yeah, because like there's there's a cafe connected to my restaurant that like you know it, it, it like the restaurant is like you know like lunch and dinner and stuff like that, but like the little breakfast cafe like you know connected to it is like for you know all that early morning stuff. And I picked up a shift there for money, thinking I was being a good guy covering for somebody. Then I was like, oh, I'm missing rugby, which yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got. I literally down. I paid for ESPN Plus like that morning. I was like, all right, waited too long. I gotta get it now. Hmm, so. Well, you, who, who could blame you since there never was an announcement of what games would be on ESPN Plus until yes, you know, two days ago. I mean that, that that's what Reddit's for, though. That's what's great about rugby fandom. Everybody was like ESPN Plus, make make headway. The best yeah, part well, is like you know, you refresh ESPN Plus's schedule every half hour to see if a game would pop up. That's how I found oh, out. Rich. I refreshed it enough times till I saw Rooney New England. Hey, we got we got yeah. Seattle in the I, house. Nice. I, I I got to watch the Rooney New England game on a, a few big uh big nice TVs there at Hennessy's. I'll talk a little bit more about that later in the show. Yeah, we'll 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 talk about that. We got uh as far as I mean I'll, I'll push off the crow. Uh, but Craig, you didn't go. You went to Gilgroni Land, but you did not stay. I could. Yeah, Sunday night I had I had to come back. I was in Austin for a wedding. Uh, I mentioned last week, so I saw some Six Nations down there at uh, Schultz Garden by the UT Football Stadium. Uh, had had a great time at the wedding, but yeah, I, f- I flew back Sunday morning. However, I did between Sixth Street and the pre-party uh, and the wedding itself. I did uh, ask around for a Gilgroni with no luck. In fact, at the very end of the trip in the airport, there's a. Um, Texas uh, UT store, a uh, team store, which you might mistake for a Gilgroni store since they have the same colors. Oh, really? I, yeah. I hadn't noticed that whatsoever. So I, I went into the Texas A&M store and I asked him if he had any Gilgroni gear. And he looked, like, <laughs> he looked at me like I was from another planet. 
But then I, <laughs> I said, you know, I, thought you were, I so thought you were serious. And I was like, man, I know these people have been moving fast, but they have merch in the airport now. <laughs> No, it, it, that was a UT. I, I sent Aaron a picture. That that was a UT store. But uh, I did ask the 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 guy at the cash register who didn't look like a sports fan, but he was back there at six a.m. at the airport. And uh, I asked him if he knew what Gilgory was. He said, "Is that the rugby team?" I said, "Yes, yes, you are correct. That's great. So, the random guy at the airport you? knows." <laughs> and my and my favorite Sixth Street bar, which is Blind Pig. Uh, that's where I used to hang out back in the in the army days. Oh man! I, oh wow! I, I went to Blind Pig for like lunch on Saturday before the wedding with some of the other rugby guys, and uh, we were talking to the bartender. We tried to get him to put on Six Nations because it was on NBC Sports, and I asked him if he knew what a Gilgrony was, and he didn't. And I said, "Well, it's the Austin rugby team." He said, "I thought the Austin rugby team was the Huns." So okay, so I mean. Hey, that that definitely counts for something. Well, I, I, think the blacks, I think the blacks will definitely beg to differ. Uh, you know, I think the record has not not to you know smash on the Huns. The Huns are the only Division One champion in Austin. Um, the the blacks are the popular blind pig. We know Division that. Division three twice twice for Division three. It, the Huns had like that Tampa Bay Buccaneers year. You know, where like the the Bucks randomly won the Super Bowl. The Huns randomly won the won the national championship. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, and that was the year they beat the Blacks. So good to go. Yeah. I, I basically, you know, things roll through Austin, and, and which is fun. But uh, so I, I'm stupid. Apparently, I, I ran um, a marathon to chase uh, to chase Matt Turner uh in in real life uh he ran the new york marathon last summer uh and i was like hey okay i i gotta i can't let him be the only member of the major league rugby marathon club and uh i i joined the major rugby major league rugby marathon club uh on Saturday. time i ran a 448 50 uh, I will say I had to train but sounds good. <laughs> four hours, 48 minutes and 50 seconds. <laughs> and, uh, I, I had to, I had to use the restroom twice, which is, which is awful because that just kills your momentum. Um, one at the half marathon point and one at the, the 19 mile mark. And I hadn't trained past a half marathon, uh, as far as like running continuously. And, uh, so at mile 16, I wouldn't say like it just fell apart, but that's when I had, that's when I started run walking, uh, like one minute walk. I mean, do you think that Aaron is officially banished from the front row club once he starts <laughs> talking about runs of miles with double digit numbers? <laughs> no, that, that scares forwards. That that's just, it, it, it causes them anxiety. He, he says this, but he used to run like this when he was in the army too. So I it's a front rower then. <laughs> well, I was a front rower when I was in the army when I had to run that much. You know? <laughs> but uh, yeah, um, yeah. I marathon Star Wars the other day. I'd rather that play a forty scrum game than run an open marathon again anytime soon. Like I would, I would play a forty scrum game tomorrow. Then run an open marathon in the next six months. <laughs> Sign me up for a forty scrum game. Uh, 
All right. Anyway, wasn't there rugby this weekend uh, in, yeah. in a league or like of a MLR or something like that? For sure. So what we're going to get into uh, this week is, well, I can't really just say, hey, th- these games because there were six. So we're going to get into week one of the Major League Rugby season. Then we're going to go uh, do our picks overview from last week to see how bad we did. And then we will pick and handicap uh, week two's matches. So uh, just to let you know, I, I did look. There is no sports book uh, taking bets on the Vegas series. Just just point that out. So save your money and, uh, you know, don't don't do that. <laughs> is Dan is is are you saying I ran too far? Is that is that what you're saying? Let's assume so. <laughs> but um, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's what we're gonna get into. The first match was Houston versus Colorado. What did you guys think of this thing uh, overall? Uh, it, you know, there was a dominance to the Houston set piece and scrum, but not in the same way that another team did on the same day. No, definitely not. So um, I'll be the first to admit that I was wrong last week for picking against the Sabercats. So I hereby offer my sincere apologies to my mates and my former co-workers down in Houston, guys. You all played great. But, um, you know, taking a look at the stats, which I'm absolutely thrilled we have again, I just love the numbers but taking a look at the stats the first thing you notice is the Raptors actually outpaced the cast in terms of total meters uh, 638 to 591 while their mpp which is meters per pass of 4.6 barely trailed houston's mark of 4.7 but i think when you look at the numbers put up by ryberg and emerson they had 118 and 94 meters game respectively thanks in part to numerous tackles on both of their parts and you also realize that the next closest ball carrier was Robbie Petzer with only 49 meters. It kind of puts those numbers into a little bit of perspective. Um, honestly, I think anyone who was like watching this game for the most part saw some pretty inefficient attack phases by the Raptors team, especially after penalties. And Houston afforded them a decent amount of penalties, 10 total in the game compared to Colorado, only eight. Uh, if you take a look at their respective set piece numbers, which Aaron, I'm sure you're going to talk about later, uh, <laughs> 67 and 83 uh, percent terms respectively in terms of win percentage in the scrum and in the lineout, uh, this lack of success in the set piece it just means less cleaner platforms for them to you know for them to uh, for them to launch off, uh, which Glendale is probably going to have to rely on a lot more going forward considering this team is you know like this team and the coaching staff the front office has all seen a bunch of turnover so there's a lot of I guess you could say reactionary rugby going on with this Glendale team. And I think that's when they start to fall apart. If when they're not executing in the set piece and kind of giving them the, themselves the best chance to start off um, for the Sabercats, the meter production for the top three was pretty evenly dispersed. Boyson, Lutz, uh, Freyer, 87, 77, 72 meters respectively a piece. Uh, Boyson, Boyson and Lutz, uh, they, they had an especially pretty good night carrying the, uh, carrying the ball, both exceeding seven meters per carry. Now, 10 infringements aside, this Houston team is, I see them being a, a lot more improved when it comes to picking up valuable meters on the attack, which is a compliment of the, you know, that they've been missing the last few years, like, you know, uh, when it compared to their elite level scrum, which definitely, you know, under the previous administration was the shining aspect of their team. Um, some of the guys I mentioned before, like Lutz and Freyer, they, uh, they, they, they were great additions. While I felt like guys like Esdale and Kalinasau, 
they were getting involved more and they were being a, a, a bit more efficient than we saw in week one in the last two years. So, however, one big issue for this team needs to be to pick up the pace. So, uh, if you look, they only had a 46% uh, 46% on the quick ball rate for the Cats while they allowed three total steals in the breakdown. So I feel like this is going to be one of the, this is going to be more on Lutz and Christman going forward. Is it Christman or Christman? Christman. There we go. Lutz and Christman going forward. Um, they're going to need to make sure they're managing their decisions at the rock and at the breakdown well. Uh, well, the other guys on the team, they need to stay active when it comes to supporting the runner, being the first one at the gate. So overall, I really like what I saw from the Houston squad. I think there's some really simple things they need to clean up in order to reach the upper echelon of the league. Colorado, meanwhile, I have a few more concerns about, uh, you know, their attack ceiling and guys outside of Ryberg and Cruze when it comes to the effectiveness of their players in general. Yeah, This one was kind of interesting, I thought. What did you think, Craig? Uh, you know, uh, those are all good bits of information. I think it, it was just a bit um, jarring to see Glendale or, you know, Colorado so different than what used to be called Glendale. I mean, we talk a lot. I know Aaron talks a lot about uh, the spine on this show. And you think about, you know, when Glendale came into the league, I feel like they were the most well-drilled, well-structured, comfortable together, you know, good systems in place team. But so much has changed. I mean, all of the central figures, in that system are gone. I mean, it's new halfbacks, so, new man, new fullback. Uh, so you look at so you look at the spine, right? Um, for Glendale specifically, although it's really, uh, you know, if you look at the spine for Houston, it's also changed very much. However, uh, I don't know. Like there's just a lot more problems, but Houston if you look at Colorado, Sam Windsor at least, who's you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they have Sam Windsor. They have parts of their spine still there. With you know, play the players are still in the squad, uh, like Pangelina, Kalinisau, and Windsor. But uh, like, I mean, I know Chad Guff was there last year, but Chad Guff, who was splitting time with Finolio, then you've got Samuel Slade, who wasn't on the squad. Then you've got. Uh, Denishan, who didn't start all the time, he started some, and then Quinlan, who's brand new, and also Mason Emerson, who's brand new. So basically, it's a whole new spine. It's like this whole squad, even though you have it's just all it's all done up. And and what's a little different at Houston is, yeah, they've had a lot of changes too, but they, you know, they needed changes, you know, they they were coming in at the bottom of the table in the both the previous two years. So, you know, a shakeup is probably good when you're, when you're hoping for volatility, it's not quite as good when you're expecting to be towards the top. Um, that's yeah. what we started. Yeah. So, I mean, one of the, well, Ben Darwin uh, is, is one of those guys that he talks when he takes a lot of metrics in, in the NRL and a few uh, rugby teams. And one of the, one of his biggest metrics is consistent. I think he calls it consistency metrics. Like the amount of, t- like the amount of starts that a team total has like 80% or more of their players together. And the success rate of a team that like has that kind of level usually wins a lot of games, but you know, to, to touch on some of the things that I know I normally talk about is just, I mean, Liam made mention of the, of the tempo that the Houston went through. Um, they went slow and, and to the point of, you know, 
it could be somewhat concerning that and and quick ball really it means you know well, three breakdown no, steals is also pretty significant especially when you have that forty six percent quick ball rate. Well, oh well, yeah, so like three giving up three like giving up three uh you know three breakdown steals to the Raptors is a problem. So that you have to look at in a lot of ways what kind of tempo they're actually trying to push. Um, and that was a problem last year and even the year before where um you know in pods like weren't resetting and then you're you know your scrum half also wasn't getting to the ruck to get the ball out so so those are some concerns but you know t- the set piece in particular on this one is you know the lineup was pretty similar but although the the Houston set piece I think there was a game last year where they just pounded a team like drawing a bunch of penalties and uh, still lost the game I forget which one it was but in this one they did not force uh, penalties of of the Raptors, but uh, the Raptors failed on their scrum a lot. Okay. Like they, I mean, although they didn't concede penalties, they got beat up. They had a scrum percentage of 67%. And that is, at this point, sort of r- relatively significant because they had the problem last year. Outside and of they, Luke White, would you say there's any elite-level scrummager uh, on this team? Uh, you know, um... And Luke White's not I, I think Fafita is a good player, uh, but like Luke White, I don't understand why he's playing lock. I, I mean, we've we, I've had this because he's a very I, I haven't spoken to Luke myself, but as a loose head, when he was starting at loose head, he was projected to basically get capped as soon as he became eagle eligible. Talking to a lot of people. And right now, I mean, his work rate is very high. I think if you put him out at six or even number eight, you know, you're going to get a dude that can give you 60 to between 60 and 80 minutes with tons of tackles, tons of carries, you know, tons of, uh, tons of ruck involvements, but they're, they're, they just have problems with their locks. And it's not just Luke. I mean, you got Brendan Daly playing out at six, uh, Mike Curry's interesting, but they just, they're just getting pushed back. And some of that has to do with the footwork of those props, but, um, you know, eh, I don't know. I, I did like, uh, Valdemar Lilo's, uh, first start, uh, back at, at an elite level. That was really nice. Uh, so if, if he continues to progress the season, you know, you could see him back at loose head for the Eagles. So that, that was really good, but yeah, that for Glendale, there's a lot of concerns, uh, especially with the 19 turnovers they conceded. Uh, it, it, and they continue to try and push to the tempo with the amount of passes they use, and I don't think it's helping them right now. If, if there's a bright side for Colorado, I think their reserves. Oh, I said Glendale, Colorado. Yeah, it's all right. We all do. <laughs> it. It's. Uh, I think their reserves were pretty strong. I mean, I, I'm surprised that some of these guys – you know, Connor Cook, Adam Malifa, Renee Ranger, Nick Boyer, none of them were starting. I mean, those are some some well-known names that we know uh, they can perform out there. So, you know. Uh, well, uh, you know, also, like I said, Houston afforded them uh-huh. a decent amount of, uh, um, op- you know, Houston afforded them a decent amount of opportunities just by making mistakes, uh, you know, and giving them penalties. So you would think in the second half when those fresh legs and considering how talented those players are came on, that they made a, maybe they could have mounted some sort of comeback because Colorado wasn't exactly out of this game, you know, quickly. They were in it until I'd say halfway through the second half, about. Yeah, yeah they were in it, but I think the for me the important spot looking at 
at Houston was they still finished, uh, which is some even something though, they weren't doing before. Yeah, they, they didn't do that last year, and they did towards the end when Paul Emmerich was, uh, you know, the interim head coach, and you know he's retained as the assistant head coach here with Houston, but they still had turnover coaching change because the head coach is different. So what did they do? They, they finished. So that's very good. And that's very important as they, as we move on to the next round. Um, so the other game of Saturday was old glory at NOLA. And um, it was funny. The, cause I put out, I put out some, some power rankings, right? My, uh, Officially unofficial, but semi-informed power rankings. And the two teams that got a lot of that I got a lot of stick for were New England and Old Glory. Uh, well, one team I'm totally vindicated about, and the other team, well, um, <laughs> we'll, we'll get to you. So, what do you guys see in this game? Uh, I think you know. I assume this is what you were referencing before, but um, obviously Nola had a tremendous scrum advantage. That was what stood out the most, especially in the early going. Um, Old Glory had the biggest signing, in my opinion, of the offseason uh, in signing Beast from South Africa. He's not there. He has visa issues. Uh, without him, um, they're really struggling. And Nola was able to use that to send Cam Dolan, you know, launching into the into the fray. Uh you know, it's three tries, man of the match. Um, one of many number eights who had a, a huge week. But uh, it really just seemed like Nola had such a, a great platform with their scrum um, that they were able to attack at will, and Old Glory had, had very little they could do about it. Yeah, no. So what else can you say about this game other than damn when it comes to the scrum so listen you you can talk about the scrum missing missing a beast in their zoo all you want but getting put on roller skates like that is not is it's not going to be dramatically helped by any one single human being that isn't mr incredible the beast Uh, isn't i i I don't the beast is going to do something but it it, it's not one scrummager you need two good props, right? You need two good props. And then you need two good locks. Of course, you need a good hooker. And I think they've got a good hooker in Max Lum. Um, but you, you they say just, you're tight five. They just went good. like this. Or and they and you look at the penalties in this game. I'm sorry to sorry to take over, and this is where it matters, right? right? Uh <laughs> you know, Matt Harmon had a great game. Guess. Guess how many penalties he forced the the young tie head Gordon Fullerton um, to concede in the scrum? Uh, without pulling up the stats, I'm going to say three. No. What? Five. All right, I, 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 I wasn't that far off. Uh, but that is a lot. That's mm-hmm. that, that, and he got it. it doesn't he, say this in here, he, but he, he got a he, yellow. He bored in like some good, uh, like so some he, good. So cuts. he bored in one. Two, three, four times. He he got he, you know one he got we one he got called for wheeling and then he got he got a yellow on the fourth boring in penalty. Like what? No. That's that's a problem. And, mm-hmm. and you know you need your tight head to be your one of like of the front row. He's got to be. He's got to look like Paul Mullen. That's, <laughs> that's what I gotta say. So. 
Continue. Or, or maybe, uh, you know, maybe, maybe there's like there's a market for a rugby air bud movie. You know, the DC can bring in some sort of talented canine to uh, a move in the scrum. Some a, big a tight head golden retriever. You might need to look more towards angels in the outfield than uh, golden bud, but uh. exactly. <laughs> anyway, well, it won't be a surprise for anyone to learn that. Um, uh, DC's uh, their win rate in the scrum was only about forty percent, with the lineout not being that much better at sixty-seven percent. Now we've seen now the last few years. Uh, we've talked about this on the show before. Set piece execution is in this league. It's everything because, as I said in regard to the uh, the Raptors SaberCat game, a lot of the teams need uh, need that set that set platform to launch uh, in order to run their system properly. Because outside of that, you just start playing reactionary rugby, which can be a good way to describe how I feel about DC's attack. Uh, when it came to meters game, Nola's big play attack um, that we saw at the beginning of last season is back. Uh, whether or not it remains, you know, uh, that, you know, whether or not it lasts, like, at, at least, you know, remains to be seen till the end of the season. But they outpaced Old Glory 741 meters to 614. Nola's MPP clocking in at a respectable 6.3. Well, DC themselves hovered around six even. But if we're talking about meters on the ground, man of the match Cam Dolan is where you need to start. 136 meters, six meters per carry. And on top of that, the kick goes ahead and puts up three tries. Uh, it's only week one, but Dolan's right there alongside New England's Bodine Waka when it comes to looking like early MVP candidates. Definitely not to be forgotten about Carl Heinrich Meyer, obviously, Julian Dominguez Wilder, the latter of whom I think is looking like a great candidate to replace the sort of talent ability of the recently departed Tristan Blewett. Uh, as for DC, it's not to say that they didn't have their fair share of guys who put up some numbers. As people saw, a huge problem was just finishing a series with points, and which 12 total penalties made that a much harder job. Uh, when it came to looking on the bright side for them, though, Robertson broke the century mark at 105 meters on the day for an uh, meters per carry mark of seven even. Doug Frazier won a DC's two try scores along with uh, along with Dabulous, uh, if that's how you pronounce his name. Da Dabulous? Yeah, whatever. Da yeah, Dabulous. Put up 94 meters himself in what was a pretty good day with the ball in his hand. Now, I'm not saying DC is a bad team. I don't think they're they're I think they're going to get much, much better. I just think they need a little bit more cohesion in order for that to happen. Uh the set piece definitely needs to be a, a point of emphasis with emphasis is when it comes to working. Um get that efficiency up, and it's gonna be it's not gonna take one player to fix it all. It's definitely going to take a lot of work, a lot more a lot more team chemistry when it comes to operating in that effect. I don't envy, I don't envy having to uh, have your major league debut in NOLA. That's a tough starting, tough starting ask at the gold mine, baby. Yeah. So what was the, what was the uh, crowd? I think I heard like around 3000. Uh, I think it was a little, a little under three, maybe uh, it was, I mean, I don't know. Uh, the the configuration really doesn't lend itself for a an epic uh, film set, but they had a lot of standing room only tickets sold for the party deck, uh, and they had a they had a good a, a decently good turnout. Uh, they need to do the second line parade every week though, because that really that gets the fans involved and makes them That's the they're quintessential. Part, they are a part of. Uh, you know, the, the team, which I think is really good. Uh, you know, do you think if they win the championship, they'll they'll dump a big bowl of gumbo on Coach Osborne? Like, it obviously won't be piping well, hot. Well, think or about anything. this. Think about this. The if they win the championship, the governor 
is a part of the reason why they're in the gold mine. So they'll get, they will get a parade. Like a they'll real get a state house recognition. They'll, John they'll Goodman some, will be there just doing John Goodman things. They'll get some real stuff. But before we get to that, uh, in, in this game, there, there was a big differential in kicking. Uh, 22 kicks for 817 meters versus 16 for 468. Uh, this is in favor of New Orleans. Uh, we talked a little bit about uh, the scrum and set piece. The, the issue here, I definitely those two props, man. Um, but then you also have to talk about the locks that they had in there. Uh, you know, Tavita Nakali and Oppie Nakatini, I think Oppie will, will eventually get his legs under him because he did have some issues, I would say, early in the season last year. Uh, I think in the first game last year that he played, he only had like 30 minutes off the – like he started, and it was a little bit rough. Uh, overall, I mean, it's if you – outside of the front row – uh, where my questions are, I think it's, it wasn't a bad, uh, it, it wasn't a bad roster overall. Like it, the back row in is pr- good. A Larson, uh, Mungo Mason, Jamison, Fiano Schultz. And then you go to the back line. David Tustala had a good game. Jason Robertson had a good game. Um, Renata Robertsonana also had a good game. Kieran Hearn went 80 minutes. Um, Doug Fraser, although he, he put in some important stuff. He also got embarrassed by Julian Dominguez. Like Julie, so Julian Dominguez goes, "Hey, so uh, how how many tries did did Tristan have? What's the record?" It, it, and it was twelve, right? It's like, well, I'm gonna have thirteen. Like that. Mm-hmm. That is so. That is what Julian Dominguez thinks. And if anyone saw Dominguez, that boy is big. Yes, like, he's a big boy. So he's gonna have to fight Dolan for it, though. Yeah, <laughs> that that is very true, right? Dolan's now. off so, to a pretty good start, I would say. I, 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 think, I, I think really think Dolan had a great week one last year too. Yeah, um, I, you know, Dolan now like thirty two. What, dude? He's younger than me. He's a baby. He's got fifty some odd caps. He's got. Oh, I mean, old. he's twenty nine. Turns thirty in March. So yeah, so older than me, younger than me. So uh, and well, I mean, his dad always calls him my baby, so I think he's like twenty seven, but he's actually going to be thirty. So so good for Cam. But Let's yeah, it, rehandle Cam. It's all downhill. And uh, you know, there was just I don't know if if this is was a true. I think seeing Harmon Waldron and and Tar get after it also skeeter where did he come from you know i i think the front row got a, a good little run out but i don't know if that's going to be good enough prep uh for toronto this coming weekend and you know you just move forward but overall i love the attack very forwards base right now uh with what they d- were able to do against dc uh but they do have some some stars i know we got a we got an email uh from our editor said, I, I haven't seen any speedsters. Did he, did he even watch Julian Dominguez? Uh, uh, did Damn he? it, Corey. <laughs> I don't know if I'd call him a speedster though. He was, I mean, he's fast, but he was more of a physical, he seemed like a more of a physical player than so, uh but yeah. Well, you know, I, well, maybe, 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 you know, the, uh, the pick on the treadmill we, we talked about a little bit last season out in Iowa, it shut down during a few of those runs. <laughs> but, yeah, so, so moving. Really he was looking for the pig. He's like, where's my speedster? The power <laughs> <drop."> 
<laughs> so now we're moving on to Sunday. Uh, in this game, I did I. It was this was probably the most entertaining. There was two really entertaining games for me. It was Utah versus Atlanta and San Diego versus the Sea Wolves because the other ones, well, they they were one sided. So. I think Utah still has a fitness issue. Is that do you guys get the they, same? They, they have a lot of initial either? burst, but yeah, they they kind of they fall off like Shanahan in the fourth quarter with the lead. You know, it's, yeah. I mean, I it, it's so hard to. I find it very difficult to assume teams have fitness issues, but you do have to wonder when they keep losing leads or losing critical plays towards the end of games. Um, I, in the past, I've always felt like they just. They haven't executed well enough at critical moments, and it sometimes gives the appearance of losing fitness because a lot of the critical moments happen towards the end. But uh, I think this week they did look like they ran out of steam. Maybe they were pressing too hard for the first 60. Um, I don't know. Yeah, um, definitely. that's definitely a viable thought. Uh, you'd also think, though, um, there's a decent amount of altitude training available in Utah, Uh but then again, I have I have no idea what the climate is like, you know, wherever, you know, uh, around the Salt Lake area. But anyway, um, yeah, yeah, but uh, but yeah. So unfortunately, due to the watch party in Haymarket Square at Hennessy's, which again, may I say, was awesome, um, <laughs> I was not really able to watch a whole lot of the uh, the ATL Utah match. But I did see a lot, of, a, a little bit of it that at the beginning. I saw Utah starting to kind of run away with it against ATL and everybody at the bar was like, Oh great. You know, a West team is beating an East team and making them start out with the loss. This is going to be great. Then somewhere along somewhere in the second half, people took out their phones to check MLR.com for the score because it wasn't on any of the TVs, obviously. And next thing you know, uh, ATL is running, running away with it. Anyway, uh, Utah—they didn't even eclipse 400, uh, 400 meters in the in, in this match. Instead, coming into a halt just around three hundred eighty-seven, uh, an average MPP of only three point three. ATL, meanwhile, slow start to the first half. Um, that be damned. Ended this match with a total of six hundred and twenty-five meters, but still with a slightly below average MPP of four point five. So both teams average in the set piece percentages. Utah even edged ATL in the scrum, actually. Um, but top performers with the ball, um, Uhila for Utah with 50, uh, 50 total meters and a try on top of that while ATL's Murano. Oh God, I'm going to butcher this last name. Aaron, help me out. Um, which one? Red Marno Redling Heiss. There we go. He led the way for ATL with 68 total meters and a try as well. So that's my yeah, take on that. Meters to score because for the first half, you know, ATL would just get a penalty and uh, Hagen Schulte would knock it over. Great, great kicking performance out of Schulte for Utah. But yeah, they they weren't moving the ball at all. Atlanta just, you know, probably jitters. Probably jitters your first uh, MLR contest. But that first half, they were, they misplayed a restart. Uh, they were constantly getting whistled. And, um, you know, Utah was just taking the scoreboard over. It was only after halftime, really, that rattle kind of settled in and um i'll tell you what who who is the biggest hitting american because I, I think uh matt heaton was laying people out in this game including a great hit that kind of stuffed the last Canadian. drive and uh, before this Sorry, i would have mike shepherd so I, I mean i feel like the canadians are really making a good 
a good showing of the physicality and defense. Um, curious, yeah, I want to I want to keep a track of this and see who you know which Americans are uh, the big hitters. But Heaton looked uh, very physical on defense. Uh, I think that served him well. This this one was interesting, uh, and I really it, Atlanta concerned me because they just would commit a penalty or they cough up the ball that they, they wouldn't get out of their way in the first half, but in the first half, the, the warriors just, they looked like a decent team uh, with, you know, Paul Tivo and Hagen Schulte really ran uh, this attack pretty well in the first half, uh, it, you know, in, in some ways that, made you not think of this team at all of last year or even the year before they, they look pretty decent. And then in the second half, the, you know, Atlanta stopped coughing up the ball and they just started pounding them. And, and you know, for a little bit, for a, enough time, the same first half team disappeared for 20, 20, 25 minutes and got down. And then for like the last 10 minutes, they showed back up and, you know, their scrum dramatically better set piece, dr- like line out dramatically better, but you know, execution on the outside, it was not just, so much. It, it, they, you know, they, they're going to be better this year. And you know what? Uh, Brandon Sparks, Chris Latham, you guys hit out there in the high desert. And you gave us some weird scores with your preseason. And it was not indicative of how well uh, they can play because they played pretty well on Sunday. And I think they, given how open that third spot is in the West, it will be interesting to see who challenges for it. Cause right now I'd say it's between them and Houston, even though they lost because you know, it, it certainly ain't the Gilgronies right now. <laughs> um, the Gilgroni jabronis. So, on to the fourth match of the weekend. Uh, yeah. Um, whoa. <laughs> New York lost to New England. Yeah. 30 points. You might, <laughs> they lost by, by, by a bit. Yeah. Uh, Look, I mean, great, great effort from New England. Uh, you didn't know what to expect. They obviously had no jitters. They, if they had jitters, they kind of channeled them into positive energy. New York never really looked uh, like it was on. I mean, they, they just seemed low energy. They really didn't try anything in attack. Uh, New England just had the, you know, the excitement, the enthusiasm. They got a couple of. Lucky, well, fortuitous bounces, gusts mm. of wind. But, uh, I mean, they <laughs> well, well, full, fullback apparently couldn't collect the ball and just gave him a gift. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, well, I mean, ball bouncing off the crossbar is <laughs> two plays earlier. It had actually rolled into dead ball territory, and Foden did the same thing. He kind of watched it. And obviously, that would have been tremendously advantageous to New York because that would have been a scrum all the way. It was, I think, it was like the twenty-two on the other side. The tag leader kicked that ball, um, but yeah, it bounced, hit the crossbar. Another eight man scored. Uh, yeah, but it, you know, it didn't matter. You can't blame the wind or a lucky bounce. I mean, New England capitalized on it, and Rooney didn't really have 
even I mean they 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 started mauling towards the end of the first half, and that looked good. And that was about all that looked good. Um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So up the jacks, baby. So, like I said, I got to work the fan event at Hennessy's this past weekend where the Free Jack fans from just about every state in New England represented and got loud for the team. Uh, and with good reason, considering the team and with that all the experts picked against was up 15 nothing before the first half was even halfway over. So Liam was the only expert to pick Potato. Yeah, potato, baby. So on top of that, there are plenty of guys to get excited about based on their performance in that game alone. First off, Liam Steele and Sam Beard are an electric pairing at center, and they're going to be a huge part of this attacks engine going forward. Uh, continuing with my blatant bias towards the backs, Mitch Wilson and Bodine Waka at wing and fullback respectively each got pay dirt, and all these names I just mentioned were involved in some of the best tight window passing phases that we've seen in MLR in the last three years. But... You want to talk about the best we've seen in MLR. How about, uh, you know, Craig, you were just talking about it. Homopo's try by corralling the damn ball off the crossbar. Uh, absolute euphoric frenzy at Henny's and just great field awareness demonstrated by Homopo. Now, stats, I suppose you'll also want those other than just my fanboying. Free Jacks came out of this game with 473 total meters, an MPP of 4.7. New York, meanwhile, 317 total meters, making an MPP of 4.5. A decent amount of penalties in this contest, though, 24 in total between the two. The main difference, however, came uh, when it uh, came to making each team pay for their mistakes, which is where New England really won this battle, thanks to a great performance in the set piece. When it came to those numbers, New England walked out with a 100% win rate in the scrum to go along with 85% mark in the lineout. Compare that to New York, coming in at 86% on the scrum and only 79% on the lineout. In terms of individual players, I've already lauded enough about New England guys. So stat-wise, I'll let's highlight Mr. Bodine Waka once again. Uh, he got man of the match honors, 72 meters for an MPC mark of 8 even to go along with not one, but two tries on the day. One of the guys already in the early running for MLR MVP after one week. Yeah, I know. Call it, call it early. It, it's a bold prediction. I had I had this a long conversation with Josh Smith over, I guess, over at where I work, right? Um, and he was like, you know, I, Pete was talking to him. He was like, who, who's someone to look at for your team? And he's like, you know, Bodine Waka and uh, – there you have he, it. He's a big, I, I got, fast I got, man. We got warned. If you haven't listened to the Josh Smith interview on the MLR kickoff, go listen to that. He talks about that. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I everyone and their mother looks like an idiot. Yeah, and I'm, I'm also <laughs> calling it Mitch Mitch Wilson. He's a Life University alumni. He's at wing. He also has experience at fullback. He can play a variety of positions, honestly, in the Wilson. back line. He is going to be great. He is he's Mitch very – Especially when the commentators are in Spanish, they uh, they really like him. I'm not joking. God love the uh, America specific challenge. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I thought one interesting takeaway. I thought, by the way, uh, that second try of Walker's was really a great read. Right? I think it was the second one where he he had the ball and he passed, and they swung wide around the edge to get it back for the score. Uh, that was a good read. But I think one other interesting thing to look at um, from New York perspective. You know, Petri was the starting scrum half last year. I thought when he came on, that was actually when New York looked 
but they had some kind of inspiration with the ball. And at a cost of me, because they were losing by 30 points by then, and there was not much time left. So they had to try something, but uh, you know, it, it actually started to look like it was clicking a little bit. So I'm, I'm curious to see who's going to start next week. I wouldn't be surprised if you see Patrick starting. So what about um, Kyle? Can we talk Riggins? about Kyle's assumption? Who's, who's the other? Who's the other nine that you guys have? I think it's Marcus Riggins. Walsh. No, 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 no. For, for 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 the Free Jacks. No, no, no. It's, I I pulled I pulled this John Poland and there. Tim Gee. No, it was uh, the the. Uh, give me a minute. The guy from Munster A. Yeah, they signed a scrum half in the offseason, an Irish one, but I haven't I haven't seen him around. Jason Higgins. Jason yeah. Higgins. Unless his visa's delayed. I know that like talking to the teams last week, a bunch of visas got delayed or delayed across the, the league. I think America's rugby news uh pointed out three with New York, but Craig, are you guys running a hospital? <laughs> oh yeah. Well, we're gonna have to be. I think maybe uh, MKG could could open a hospital wing. Uh, yeah, tough. Really, yeah, really tough. I, I, I knew Alex Mack got hurt. Um, Alex McDonald got hurt earlier before this game. He's going to be out for the year. Trevor Cassidy apparently got a pretty serious uh, knock during this game. He's probably out for the year. Um, Patty Ryan left the game early, which didn't help in the scrum. Um, unclear how long he's going to be out. But, yeah, the injuries are starting to mount, particularly in the tight five. Uh, for New York, which is never a good place to have them. Yeah, you, yeah. you just look um, at. Speaking of hospitals, of though, uh, definitely oh. want to give a shout out. As I said, I, I as I said, I, I would to him over Facebook a few uh, a little while ago. Shout out to uh, not only Alex McDonald but to Trevor Cassidy. Um, won't go into detail about the in- injuries he suffered or any kind of timelines, but Trevor. Um, but apparently, you can read about it on America's Rugby News. Yep. So, at, least for, at least for Alex McDonald. I don't know if they have the extent of Trevor Cassidy's. So, um. Yeah, again, again, so in interest of his privacy, won't go into details about that. Um, obviously, he's slated to, slated to miss some time uh, away from the team, but he's in good spirits, and they're applying plenty of Vermont maple syrup to his injuries. That's that's going to heal that up nice. He'll enjoy some some pancakes, I'm sure. Yeah, the, the, the interesting thing for me was just the scrum dominance uh, of – of New England, I was. I'll be honest. I, yes, I know Kinsuki Hatikeyama is an international, and Sean McDulty. I, I understand the pedigrees. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. Donald ex- Brighthouse, though, coming I, through with a I few great runs. I expected a lot more from the New York Pack. I <laughs> did, and I think yeah, you know, reality is, if you look at this team, New England didn't really give us much to think of, you know, in the, in the preseason because of how their preseason, like what their preseason fixtures were. And well, uh, they, they put the, they put the East on notice for sure. I think that if you're going to say is like, who is, who are the out and out favorites in the East? It is new Orleans in Toronto, and that third spot is open for three teams to take. Those mm-hmm. three are New York, if they get healthy, New England, who are healthy, or Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So, and um, I'm yeah. not, I, I won't go into too much detail, but New England is going to get healthier 
in the coming weeks. Maybe also speed up your quick ball, man. 40, 40% is not good. You know, how about you mind your own business? Okay. (laughs) (laughs) They're like, what's the rock? It's up by 30. I mean, however, speaking of which, John Poland. (laughs) Sorry, Greg, but John Poland had an underrated uh, game with the ball in his hand. He was making a number of plays that were pretty damn ballsy, especially for a nine. But um, I'm not dismissing old glory, but we're also not uh, propping them up. Yeah, they got, you know, because old glory doesn't exactly have, you know, too many props themselves. Giggity. (laughs) Hey, Larry, Um, aren't you a SF Pugs fan now? Um, But uh, yeah, moving on to game five. Seattle at San Diego. Talk about another team that has injuries. Uh, Seattle is missing a bunch of people. Mm -hmm. Um, I know that on Reddit they talked about uh, what people San Diego was missing. I don't think San Diego Diego was actually missing people. They basically have two teams. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Oh, joy. Has everyone looked at that roster? It is. Who's going to beat San Diego? I mean, I don't know. They're just, they have so much talent. Like they could lose three men and put on the next best three on their team, and they'd still be the best three on the field. Mm-hmm. Well, it's but, – but at the same time, I feel like that's what we were saying at the end of last season, and lo and behold, there is no shield in San Diego. Despite – I, you could almost say that San Diego was the better team on paper, you know, going, going into that championship match, and that yeah, obviously – Hey, bounce of a ball and a mall yeah. to glory. If, you, if they don't – you know, Seattle – Seattle won that game, but if somebody catches that ball like they're supposed to, you know, things are different. That's how close these two teams were last season in the championship. And San Diego has gunned up since then. I mean, you could say they were the best team on paper last year, and they didn't have a two-time World Cup winning all-black starting Mm -hmm. in yeah, uh, and, and and you know, speaking of Nano, he didn't exactly light up the stat sheet either. But at the same time, you saw his work. He had a very high work rate. He, I felt like he was constantly around the ball, like was, providing himself as an option. His were so good. Like the, yeah. the I know he didn't carry a lot. I know he didn't carry a lot, but as he was in the Craig breakdown saying, a lot. Like, are you he, saying his passes, like? You know, it's like he's lofted them into space, and you're like, "Well, what was it? What was he doing?" And then a runner appears at a perfect spot. Like, <laughs> oh my god, the the vision and the and the touch to execute that pass. It, it was definitely. I, I thought it was the best. He was making the best passes uh, for either team. I thought. Yeah, it was. I, I mean, he just he was as advertised. You know, mm-hmm. the, the way they the way they teased that thing. And then it happened. He is as advertised. So, yeah. but hey, uh, guys, did you know that right now Seattle has the same record as Austin and Utah? <laughs> I, oh, I kid, I kid. I, I, uh, for God's sakes, I don't want Seattle fans going on a hate kick for me right now. But uh, yeah, but honestly, in in the head to head for in, in terms of stats for these teams, um, San Diego five hundred and forty two meters on the ground, uh, MPP of five point one, Seattle. 429 MPP of 5.6. Both teams excellent in the scrum, 100%. San Diego, they topped the RCDF 
in the lineout percentage at 90 to 73 percent, which is a pretty significant drop off when you think about it, uh, in especially in terms of a game with these two teams and this much talent um, in, in the forward packs. Uh, each team got two steals apiece, though. So, so, so it's interesting Like that one disparity in the set piece uh, seems like it could have made a vital difference. Yeah, it it, it, it was really tall towel throwing towards the end of the game. So well, Billy was a hooker. I mean, you know, I think he's he's more of a converted. Didn't look like it. <laughs> the throws didn't look like he was a hooker. Did, did anyone watch the the Groob uh, TMO on uh, on Twitter today? Because that was good. Yeah, that was good. I love Billy, but yeah, I, I've never seen him play hooker. I've de definitely never seen him throw lineouts and. I don't know how many of those percentage, you know, how many of those lost lineouts were from him, but I, I remember at least one or two uh, that didn't that uh, fire call went like way over. So they they did not. They, I mean, it wasn't just him. Shepard didn't have uh, a good good lineout throws either. Uh, you know, we talk about discipline and plans, uh, You know, these guys basically through two seasons were two of the most dis. Um, Ill-disciplined teams in the league, I think. Uh, San Diego, they're not leading, but they might be the third in the league with penalties after week one. But um, they just play they just play a different style of game, and they commit a lot of penalties, and then they score a lot of points, and it, it checks out. But you, Seattle's not a team, I don't think, that can concede as many penalties. Uh, Billy got lucky, I thought, uh, in the first half with – with how he got penalized, to be honest, um, he ended up getting uh, a yellow late in the second half. Um, there were just some things, man, in, in this game from both teams. Like when it came to, uh, I would say, cynical play. Clean, clean it up, guys. I know you guys can play better. Come on, but um, yeah, th that set piece difference. I mean, they're both one hundred percent on their scrums, so it was pretty even. Uh, really uh, impressed by the guys behind. Uh, the starting front line, like Nate Sylvia continues to be a very good player. Like that guy, that, that, that kid's a revelation. I, I didn't understand his signing when he came in as depth uh, in season one, but he has just become a very good loose head. Good for him. Um, and Inferno, like as a player, he, he was probably one of the most ill-disciplined guys last season for uh, the for the Legion, but he, he had a good game. Yasavera Malua, great game. Uh, how about the the hair in this game? Um, <laughs> Faka Osi Pifaletti and David Tamalau both running these like mohawk mullets. And Billy. It reminds me of hockey players. Billy's that, not a that, mohawk. For that reason, mohawk I don't like mullet. it. He might be hiding one in there somewhere. <laughs> hey. Listen, man, the, the greatest mullet in MLR currently resides in Boston, and that is a fact. The Stifler? What? No, man, to Kyle. Kyle, <laughs> dude, it's, dude it's, it's business in the front, rugby in the back, ah, baby. Chicada, chicada. Uh, is pretty good. You don't expect if, so if, if anyone remembers, that's the thing for this game more than, I mean, it was a great game, don't get me wrong. But if anyone remembers that bad hair, that David Tamalau had in season one for uh what was for it again? Utah. It was like this like this sort of emo-y looking thing on mop. 
on the top of his head. And that was like it. It was very weird. I, I, yeah, I know we're talking about hair, but it was strange. And now you just see these hardcore mullets from him and Odie Pavletti, where I'm just like, I wish I was. Mullets making some sort of comeback in in, in the sports scene. And I I don't like it. Everyone is getting the Exeter barber for their team, barber, apparently. Um, More, more, More like the Alabama barber. (laughs) <laughs> I did. Uh, for what it's worth, I did think uh, Riker Hatting had a very good game. Uh, he looked sharp. He, I, I thought, you know, last season he, he wasn't quite as impactful as I thought he was in his limited time in the first season. But he looks kind of back. I, I don't know if he was not fully fit fit last year either. But he looked on his game and and you know top of his game. Um, so that'll be good for them to have him for the whole season this year. Yes, best hair is definitely uh, Vili Tolutau in mm-hmm. Seattle. I, I I wish I had hair like that. Uh, here's the thing: like, the, the, does last Mesh year Teo he cut have, it like really short? Uh, yeah, Teo has the braids. Mm-hmm. Keep it real. Um, and the final do, do other than in the final game, other than Dan Moore being just an amazing like you know, chef, because he chopped up the eggs <laughs> in this game. Mirez, Gaston Mirez was also great as well. But it was more like they 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 chopped up some oranges and, and made Gilgronis than rather plain. They made garnish for the garnish. <laughs> he hooked that meat, that, that, that meat, you know, he hooked them, hook them, Texas, <laughs> Texas colors. <laughs> <laughs> uh there there was also the uh there was also the uh what was it um the streaker in this game uh people yeah, were saying MVP of the league so far people were actually, saying man. you know it was stage i i don't care it was i thought it was hilarious but i couldn't believe how he held like he kept the beer yeah. in the cup for like 100 meters it's it was like a great performance <laughs> Those poor people Casium looked far less equipped to be making that run than he did. Like you, you, you think like a, like a, like you know a rugby game in America. The security's thinking, oh, this will be pretty easy. I might have to tell a drunk person to go home or something like that. Nope, you gotta tackle a naked guy. You gotta take <laughs> beer. He like stopped to pour the beer, and they still couldn't get him. Awesome. Like who who had better ball handling, man? The I, players or the security guard? I'm sorry, yeah. I'll, I'll stop. <laughs> Overall, uh, there were some good things from Austin. Their their scrum didn't get completely demolished. Um, they did play well for like minute spurts, but it it was it it was a resounding like victory for Toronto. There's really not that much to dissect because this team went undefeated 0 and 16 last year. Uh, winless. So not winless. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, yeah. You, you keep on saying undefeated. Like you've been saying that since last season. Hey, I got it from when the lions went 0 and 16, not when the Browns went 0 and 16. Someone was talking about when the lions went 0 and 16 and they just, it's like, if this happens, you know, you have to try to go 0 and 16, which Maybe I I don't think Hugh Jackson was trying to go zero and sixteen, man. I don't think Hugh Jackson was trying. That's why Hugh Jackson was Hugh Jackson, though. Yeah, I don't think he tried at all. Uh, But Lawson might have tried. Yeah, uh, the the laser light show, like the event experience that 
Austin, the Gilgronis put on. They they had a great light show at the uh, was, at, at awesome. the uh, for, during, during the first game last season uh, against the uh, against the Houston SaberCats. They had you know a bunch of smoke coming out of the tunnel and stuff like that. So they like to put on a show in Austin, regardless of who the owner. Also, is. Um, I know the SaberCats got rid of the Saber Kittens. Yeah, the the the, the, the lady they got cats. Rid, they got they got they rid got, of the lady cats. They got, they, they got rid of the lady cats, but many of the girls are still working as um you know like a genies like like no, like like you know game day ambassadors. Yeah, ambassadors. Got it. Well, there's yeah. now a dance team in Austin. Um, and apparently that came together in a couple of good days. Good. It was it was a good entertainment product. So, yeah, which I, is I, a I step like, forward. I like what they're putting out. The the Gilgroni ownership. Uh. Though the kid had left a little bit to be desired. Wait, you guys saw that kit reveal video. Was that the same kit? Like, I, I don't remember that. Front. There weren't numbers on yeah, the kit reveal. That was the critical. That wasn't a kit reveal. You can't have a kit reveal in a video that doesn't have your kit on it. Um, it's like they, they bought kit with numbers on the front, which is different. Yeah, I mean, they're being different. Numbers which- on like an hour before the game, and they're all flopping off. It, it was. They're being different, which I, I appreciate. And people are like, why are there names on the back of the jerseys? Well, why not? Good for you. Yeah, I, I like it. I, I really I do I like that made. aspect. They just look like they're poor quality attachments. Uh, but it's, yeah. it's been three weeks, man. I, I get, I got, uh, I, will temper, I will temper my expectations for, you know, a, gr- a, a new ownership group that is taking over and they've, you know, negotiated a different lease with a better facility in a couple days, put together the entertainment product to go, to, to go around their game and, you know, start uh, physical plant plans with Coda for a, a high performance center and youth outreach center to, you know, to sort of funnel their Academy. So eventually, which is, you know, it, it's going to be, it's going to be good. I, I like what they're doing. It's going to be a step-by-step process, but overall, Austin's going to win more than one game this year. Are you staking your reputation on that, man? I'm going. Gun to I, my head. I'm not making that bet. <laughs> two and a half. I'm putting the line at two and a half. Um, two and a half. I'll, I'm going to take the over on two and a half. Okay. Uh, I think Toronto is really good. Toronto is really good. They, they, they did not have Kurt Murad. They did not have Adam Ashley Cooper. As you mentioned, it's brand new ownership. They're just uh, really letting that energy seep in. I, I, I'm not sure they're going to make the playoffs, but I'll take over. No, no, no. I, I, yeah. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. None of that. <laughs> yeah. No, none of that. Uh, I, I honestly, I, I would, I would, I would, I, I, I'd probably go. I'd have to go with the over, just, just because I feel like it's really unlikely for a team to just be that bad for two years in a row. But at the same time, I, I wouldn't be shocked whatsoever to see Austin win one or two games this season. The over under on how many Gilgronies we drink before the end of this season. Yeah, right. We're, we're, we we need to have like a Gilgrody cooking show once we get 15. this recipe. I'm going 15. I'm gonna. Yeah. I don't know what I got. I think to the listeners out there, write us in your uh, your suggested Gilgrony cocktail recipes. Yeah, and we'll see if we get any funny ones. 
know what? How, how about this? I promise we're going to have an ear full of dirt cocktail for you guys at some point. We're, well, so like we're gonna so, we're gonna we're, we're gonna you know collaborate in the emails. Austin, this goes into Craig being a tight head and being in Austin this week, and the there was a drink called the tight head, and I was like. Yeah, we're gonna have to rewrite that. That's that was for. I mean, it was kind of a weak drink. The wedding, the the groom's specialty drink at his wedding was called a tight head. So that tells you what kind of rugby wedding we were dealing with. There was also rugby songs on the bus home. Uh, Excellent. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I I, I just I thought if that I was the marrying kind. I thought all the wedding guests did. uh and uh so so that wraps up the uh the first round and uh just to look at our picks overview uh well did we all switch our pick for houston on the super on super brew only you switched. i didn't i i i I had locked in my picks like the first day because i didn't like understand the whole super brew so i wait until the rosters come out yeah, well, I mean, I'm going to do that this week. Liam's locked his whole season ready. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, uh, don't don't you in you can be like Larry and not lock your picks at all. Um, but whatever. So let's see. Uh, Corey's number one in the uh, earful of dirt. Yeah, I I don't know how he did that. Um, I know in <laughs> the in big. the ARC, yeah. I know in the ARC picks league, even though. Uh, Warren got like two games wrong. I'm still behind him. Well, he got two margins exactly right. I think. I, I yeah, I think that's what he did, and I'm like annoyed. I I got a half bonus point in Super Brew for the my Toronto uh stat line for uh, I went Toronto minus twenty on my game <laughs> and good. almost got there. That was good. Um, so yeah, uh, we all had the picks we had last week. Every one of us, um, well, that's a red. So game two, old glory at Nola. Um, I had Nola by ten. Liam had Nola by twelve. Craig had Nola by eight, and we were definitely all wrong. Um, in but we did get the pick right. Um. The our rattle our Utah versus ATL pick. We all picked uh, Atlanta. I picked Atlanta minus seven. Uh, Liam Atlanta minus fourteen, and Craig at Atlanta minus three for about forty minutes. That I feel like, like I was a- spirits <laughs> the closest, though mathematically the furthest. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, uh, game four was the one where we just got demolished uh i picked new york minus seven liam picked a potato and craig uh picked new york minus five and it was uh, it was new england plus it was new england plus plus 30 they they they, they did it you know I'm like geez wait it was 30 34 14 well so they i guess they were they would have been like 20. plus 60 because or whatever i don't know they went minus 60 on that and uh from the uh, whatever it was, but game five, not uh, not a math student, sorry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah apparently not. Uh, game five, uh, we all picked San Diego. I had San Diego minus nine. Liam had San Diego minus eight, and Craig had San Diego minus ten. So that's pretty. That was pretty consistent. I think we were all pretty good there. Um, and then the nightcap, I had Toronto minus 16, Liam Toronto minus 20, and Craig Toronto minus 14. So, uh, you know, four and two 
in the EOD Picks League, but uh, five and one on Super Brew. <laughs> uh, moving on to week two. Uh, game one, Saturday, 2.30 p.m. Eastern, New England at Utah in Las Vegas. Mm. Yeah. So again, as a as an employee for the New England Free Jacks, I'm not going to be making any predictions uh, week in, week out. Uh, Come for... on, Gold Potato is the pick this week. Yep. Just just potato for me that will go that I'm sure will go great in some clam chowder. Post potato. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, well, hard to. To not back New England after what they did this past week, and it's not as if Utah, you know, put up an equally impressive performance. They were okay, but um, the way they played, I think I'm just gonna have to to ride New England for at least one more week, and let's see, uh, let's see how they look in their second week. So I'm gonna say uh, New England minus ten. I'm going uh, the Jacks, uh, the, the pancakes uh, minus uh, minus seven. Uh, I think Utah is going to play okay, but, uh, you know, comfortable win um, from the expansion side, I think. Yep. Moving on to game two on Saturday, also in Las Vegas, is the Ags at New York. Yeah. yeah so, uh, I'll be- go ahead, Liam. Uh, I'm gonna have to go uh, the Ags minus thirty on this one. I was, no, I'm just, <laughs> cut, cut that out. Don't I don't want anybody to clip that audio right there. Uh, no, I'm gonna go uh, Rooney minus fifteen. There, you cut my my spread. Uh, all right, um, I'll say I also think Rooney's gonna win. Uh, I, yeah, you know, again, this is a New York home game and not a real home game. It's in Vegas, but um, there's gonna be a lot of anger and a lot of to prove after last week for both of these sides. But um, yeah, yeah, I think New York has uh, potentially the the higher ceiling roster. So I'm gonna say New York by um, I'll say New York by 18. Oh, 18. I script said 15, but adding three points, adding three yeah. points. <laughs> I, you know, I. Oh, you know, that game just that they played against New England concerns me. But um, it's it's Austin right now. So it's sort of uh, – See, we anchored you. What was, what was one of those things? It was like Houston last year. I was like, well, you know, um, you got you to gotta do something before I even give you, a, give you any confidence. Um, and, uh, well, so New York minus six is what I got. Uh, moving on to game three, Sunday, 2.30 p.m., Houston Sabercats versus Toronto in Las Vegas. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very conflicted on this one because at the same time, Toronto has so many good pieces from, you know, Dan Moore, San Malcolm, but Houston has shown great improvement. It's just that it, it, it's that quick ball rate that I'm concerned about. I'm going to go Toronto minus three on this one. And hopefully, uh, hopefully me picking against Houston will be like the catalyst for them winning week in and week out. And so if that, if that's the case, you know, I'll take it. 
Uh, yeah, I'm also going to take Toronto. I, I was impressed with uh, Houston's play. I think they are starting to put things together finally. Um, but to me right now, Toronto is so good. Uh, I think they're, you know, they're number two for me right now behind San Diego. Um, so I, I, it's going to be tough for me to pick against them. So I'm, I'm going to go Toronto uh, minus 11. Well, yeah, I think I, I like what we saw from Houston, but I, it makes you wonder, was Colorado bad? Because um, they were bad last year. I think, you know, I, I'm not sure about double digits uh, based on form right now, but they, they have the firepower. I'm going, I think the scrum, they'll, they'll get scrum parity and then just their systems and their consistency will take over in, in Toronto. So I'm going to go Toronto minus eight. The next game is Seattle going across the continent to DC to play Old Glory. Hmm. Does Old Glory get their first win of the season? Or <laughs> does, does, does this scrum sink sink the ship? <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going Seattle in this one. I, I thought they played well this week, too. Again, I, I just think San Diego's a very strong team. Um, but Seattle looked pretty good, and, and they're also not going to want to lose two right off the bat. Um, Old Glory, I think, is still going to struggle in the set piece even against Seattle, um, assuming they don't have the beast show up. And even if they do, they, they may very well still struggle. The scrum, is, as we observe, is more than one person. Um so I am going to go Seattle minus – I forget what I wrote down. 15. Uh, Se- Seattle minus 15. All right. I'm going to go Seattle uh, minus 12 on this one. Uh, I just think that uh, Seattle has a, a very good scrum, and they will basically push – since they also play on turf, uh, they will push – the old glory scrum around the turf at uh, whatever place is it? Uh, Catholic University, Catholic University in DC. I think that uh, they will they will beat them up pretty significantly uh, in the scrum, and I think those set piece issues that were made very aware uh, with perf- the performance old glory had will uh, you know will still be there. Uh, the the interesting thing would be is if Stefan Kutsi is is healthy and makes the trip, I think uh, that would be very helpful. Um, his work rate is very high, uh, and he's their you know he's their top uh, lineout thrower, and, and that will significantly help their scrum overall. Uh, so yeah, this is not going to be close. I don't think I'm going Seattle minus seventeen. Mm-hmm. Game five, Sunday, also in Las Vegas, Colorado at San Diego. Yeah, so I'm not making this mistake again with picking Colorado. I'm going to San Diego minus 19. I, big big win for San Diego here. Yeah, I think San Diego keeps rolling. Uh, I'll say San Diego 15. I was going to pick all 15s. 
but uh, got sidetracked. <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, this one's easy. San Diego minus 18. Game six, not in Las Vegas, uh, is also at 6 p.m. Eastern. Atlanta at New Orleans. Who do you got? This is a genuine tough one, but I'm going to have to go with experience uh, with the OG7. Uh, with, or sorry, with the original one of the original seven teams, uh, Nola minus eight in this game. Uh, uh, I, I didn't I didn't put a score for this one because I'm having trouble picking it. Um, I'd love to see the rosters uh, as they. Yeah, <laughs> thank you, CJ. Uh, um. I, I should pick Nola. My brain tells me to pick Nola, but there's just something inside that's telling me to pick Atlanta. I'm gonna go Atlanta by one. Ooh. And, ooh. You, the, I mean, this could be like you know, like He's the tiebreaker when it comes to the end of your tally. Atlanta by one. I think. Yeah. Um, New Orleans minus eight for me. I think they've just got the experience. They've got some firepower. Uh, you know, you just don't uh, – I'm taking Cam Dolan against his old coach, Scott Lawrence. Oh, no. You can't take the same spread as Liam now, so you're going to have to pick a different number. You can't go hey. minus eight. Oh, let's go New Orleans minus nine. Ooh, all right, all right. And uh, so that, 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 us- that, yeah, that is it for the next week, next weekend's lineup. Yeah, so that takes us – we had a lot of questions. Thank you, everyone, from Facebook to Twitter for getting after us. Uh, Taff Rugby uh, asks updates on players who haven't made it on visas yet. How will this affect teams going forward? It's affecting depth right now, Mm -hmm. Um, straight up. And it's going to take time to integrate even once they do arrive. So you're you're not going to see these teams at full efficiency for – Two or three weeks after they these people show up, if they show up, because honestly, show up. yep, some there's just honestly not a whole lot of guarantees when it comes to stuff like this. Uh, Chris Muddy, can the Free Jacks go undefeated? He says, "Just kidding," but um, <laughs> I'm going to say the answer is no. And then the serious question is: uh, Vegas and lack of attendance for the first weekend. Is it going to be better this next weekend? I think it's going to be better this next weekend, uh, but I don't know how much. And yes, the Free Jacks can go undefeated, baby. Boston. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I'm not expecting great things for the Vegas attendance. Um, but I'm not even sure what to make. Uh, you know, it's not as if those that represents people's home crowd. I mean, it, that's a a tough trip to travel to. It's a, you know, that's a serious trip. Some people just don't like going to Vegas. There's a lot going on there beyond rugby. Um, yeah, like if you go to Vegas, you need to spend more money than just. Yeah. The- well, the hotel plane tickets and a few dinners. Like, I'm going, you know, you're- I'm going to go to the Keith Urban residence this summer. I think that that's that is what people go to Vegas for. You know, uh, I think you know a lot of people talked about the the Las Vegas Sevens. Well, the same weekend every year was was NASCAR, and NASCAR outdrew the Vegas Sevens by like fifty thousand people. And the Vegas oh. Sevens was an all-day event that you know you can come into, and you need to be large crowd. It was, you know, 
it was almost like a yearly guy. It was less about the rugby, I think, and more just about a you know a social a atmosphere. Yeah, yeah. So like, you're gonna get that from a one reminiscing hour contest, the reunions. Um, yeah. Uh, then another question about Vegas from Rob Hammerschmidt. Um, I get the rationale behind Vegas as is a scheduling solution for teams playing in cold weather, given the poor attendance at. The first weekend is Las Vegas a viable option. Do we expect this weekend to be successful? I guess uh, for me, that's a question of what is your definition of success? Yeah, uh, definitely what your definition is going to you know vary there. It's also it, when you have a team there on the ground full time, it definitely makes a whole, a whole lot of difference when it comes to getting fans and seats and stuff like that. We've seen that already with teams around the MLR. I think, you know, with with a with a league that's only in his third year, trying to advertise a whole other event in a you know in a non in a non league city, uh, is you know was was an extra added challenge for you know a league again still in its early stages. Yeah, I mean, listen, you could play rugby in the cold. It's it's very playable. They play it in the cold in other countries. I think the the issue is as much about the fans as it is about the players and. I'm not sure Vegas is solving that problem. You know, like they're not. It's cold in Vegas this week. And they're not going. <laughs> so, I mean, you could save the travel costs um, and have no fans come to your game in Boston or New York or wherever. They should have um, done Nashville, if you ask I think, me. Yeah. I, think if, I think if someone is going to come to you with money, with a creative idea, and it limits your financial risk, the, the risk that you're taking – an opportunity cost of not, I guess, not losing money at your own venue. That's the other. That's the other thing that could happen. Uh, and someone's going to underwrite it, which a promoter is underwriting the cost of this event. Then, you, you know, take the risk and see what happens. But the the promoter probably has to promote the event. I, I don't know what's going on 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 the ground because I haven't been in Vegas since this all was announced. However. And they, they also have an invitational tournament this week, this week, which should, you know, help buttress the attendance. Uh, D1A is having a qualifier during that invitational tournament for their sevens championships. So that should be good. Uh, but I think it's a, if someone's coming to the table with money to do something like this and you're trying to at least alleviate one or two weekends of, of foul weather, then you take the risk, see what happens. If it, if it doesn't work out, then you play the games in the cold the next year, or you schedule differently and take the risk of, you know, not having Toronto play any of their home games in the first half of the season. For what it's worth, I think this is better than that. You know, that was what they did last year. Was you know, New York and Toronto were never home for you know. There was like one combined home game in the first eight weeks. Uh, this is better than that. I think that that was an unduly harsh travel schedule for those guys, and the the later season also helps. But um, uh, the, whatever you have to do, I, I don't think we should ever go back to the front loaded travel where we did that last year. Yeah, no, in, in, indeed, that wouldn't have been very fun for a lot of uh, northern teams, especially considering you know free jacks. Um. Moving on to William Stillwell, he asks, with the Loyals group buying Austin, does this mean the LA is not getting the team next year? No, LA is getting a team next year. This just means they have uh, another vote on the board. 
They're just not going to be called the Loyals. They'll be the Gilgaritas. <laughs> <laughs> the Gilachalatas. <laughs> yeah. Soon it will just be a, an entire league of Gil-centric, you know, yeah. oddities. Gildra League Rugby. <laughs> we'll all be talking like, you know, like this is, that was a Gil-graded match. I don't, <laughs> yeah. I don't even know. Um, Moving to the namesake of the segment, Bob B. Boberson asks, uh, what players have started every single game for their club? Not a trick questions. I know of at least one. Yes, I know of at least one, too. I think there's probably another, and I don't know. You have a research department here that I don't know about? Um, yeah, uh, I mean, oh, Sam, which, Sam Windsor for Houston. I know yeah, that. Sam, Sam Windsor for Houston is the only one I know. I think there might be another, but uh, I, I don't know. Um, is Brock Stoller started every game for Seattle? No. He, uh, no. Matt Turner? Matt, Matt Turner didn't. He was hurt, I think, for a couple weeks last year. Yeah, that's right. Um, I can't remember if Brock um, missed it one game because he was called into the Canadian squad, maybe year one. Um, oh, Valio yeah. uh, Ohila? No. Uh, so, um, Loudy? Sia uh, si- si- oh. si- Ohila or Tanana Loudy? Loudy wasn't on the roster this week. Oh, fuck. I mean, sorry, darn. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, I... Record hatting. Nah, he no, no, he was injured in season one too. Yeah. Yeah, had some con- had concussion. So, uh, yeah, Sam Windsor's the only one I got. Um, that one. Uh, I mean, everybody uh, on the Jax, uh, everybody on ATL, everybody on DC. <laughs> we'll, we'll uh, Matt, look into this for you, Bob. So Matt Polanski asks: Is Rattle the real deal? Question first. So he's got three questions. You want to answer all of them? Is Rattle the real deal? Uh, I've I've said they are, but what that real deal is, whether that means they finish third or fourth, I don't know. I but yeah, yeah. I believe they're really a talented team. Yeah, whether or not that translates to wins against more, you know, uh, MLR MLR Hardy veteran teams, you know, remains to be seen. Yeah. I think we got to. I think they are. As my inclination, I think we got to see the um, the set piece hold up uh, across a couple of different teams. Because um, they didn't really. I mean, they didn't have scrum dominance against Utah, um, and there were better scrums out there, I think, than Utah. So, uh, presuming that could hold up, I do think they're the real deal. Brad Tucker wasn't there in season one, but he did play every single game last year for the Seawolves. So, I mean, at least in his, in his existence as an MLR player, he's played every game. Um, but, uh, yeah. Then, um, can the free drags be dominant this season? Um, yes. So far. And, um, I'll, I'll, I'm answering that quite seriously. There's a lot of talented people on this team in particular, like I said, Sam Beard and Liam Steele in, in this at the center position. There's a lot of depth on the uh, on this roster as well that didn't travel to Vegas, including people like Danny Collins, Diego Macchiera, uh Ronnie McCusker. Uh, there's a there's a there's a few people yeah. who are getting back to 100. Uh, percent Tony Papura is a name that people need to keep a, keep an eye on in terms of people who are going to be returning to the uh, to the uh, to the scrum. Yeah, no, this this. Uh, you know, I'm not saying 16 and 0 is a is a guarantee, but I'm also saying this team is going to be very talented. It's going to surprise a whole lot of people. I mean, I'm enjoying the Liam hype video today. The- <laughs> um, I, I honestly, this sounds weird, but I I don't still don't even know what to make of the free jack. I, I just thought New York's performance was so lifeless that it, 
I, it's hard to say what was what. You know, Walk, I think, looked great at, at fullback. Um, so, yeah, right? But I, don't know, I don't know what to say. I, I, I think it looked good, but I, I think for me, the jury's still out. I guess the question with that is we don't know what New York is then. Right. You don't. You know? um, is this season the downfall of the Seawolves? I know Craig loves this question. Down, downfall is a strong yeah, word. Yeah. Uh, I, I still think they're a playoff team. I mean, how could they not? It would be tough for them not to be even in a top three in the West. So I do think they're a playoff team, but uh, I, I still I'm – still, I'm still Def- sticking with they lose in the uh, – What is your quarters. definition of downfall, Matt? Yeah, no. If it's like finish fourth in the conference, not going to happen. They're going to be at least third in the conference, probably second, mm-hmm. um, which means they have to play another game before they play San Diego, which is probably not going to be helpful to them. Um, it, it'll be like yeah. people. It'll be like people saying Tom Brady's fallen off because he's only a top ten quarterback and not a top five anymore. <laughs> what? So from at Rugby Photo One on Twitter. Um, what fees are the big name internationals drawing? Uh, well, we have an answer to that. Uh, Craig interviewed Basta and has the number somewhere. Yeah, it was forty five thousand, which I think was the max, right? It's not so no, first year. First year, the max contract in the MLR contract scale, and uh, that's the the max contract. Um, Jeff Kennett without listen. without a player also being a coach. Yeah, a lot of pent up energy uh, there, there, Jeff. You know, wasn't wasn't a whole lot of winning early on last season. Um, yeah, uh, you know, so so that's it for this week. Uh, you guys, got anything else? I'm glad to be back. Yeah, same. It's season three, baby. It's here. No, forty five k, Christian. Forty five k. For the audio listeners, we've been commenting on the on the. Um, We've been commenting on the Facebook comments all night, yeah. and you you have no way of seeing that whatsoever. So yeah, sorry, yeah, all sorry right. for a lot of well, so, sorry for a lot of the awkward pauses and ra- seemingly random comments. But anyway, here's Corey. Let's and we're out. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and guests, and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby, its teams, or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Poach is employed by the New England Free Jacks. Their opinions are their own. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby podcast. Connect with your hosts throughout the week on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Earful of Dirt. Or email your thoughts and questions to earfulofdirt at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week. Until then, get out there and enjoy some rugby. Rugby.